Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Bad on Paper Podcast. I'm Grace Atwood. And I'm Becca Freeman. And today we have a reflective sort of just us episode. Grace, it's your second to last episode. It's your last quote unquote real episode. By that, I guess I just mean non-book club where we have a built-in topic. How do you feel? I feel sad. I feel sad. (sighs) But I'm excited to talk through this outline, which you put together. And I thought that your questions and I thought it was just really thoughtful and well done. Yeah, you're kind of our guest today. But before we get to it, this episode is brought to you by Knight, the makers of our favorite pillow, silk face mask, and more. We'll tell you more about them later in the episode, but you can take 20% off almost everything on their site at discoverknight.com with code BADONPAPER. All right. Becca, what is your high from the week? So my high from the week is that I went to a new chain restaurant for the first time. And you know how much I love a chain restaurant. I'm shocked you haven't been to this restaurant. I have not. So I went to a Hillstone for the first time, which is one of Rachel's favorite restaurants, period, chain or non-chain. And I've never been. I think I've been to a Houston's, and I think they're mostly the same. They're similar. I think Hillstone's like a little more upscale. I could be making that up. So we we went for a celebration dinner for Bone Mary Berry because Rachel had been in Mexico when it launched, and then I was in San Francisco. And so we had a celebration dinner. It was great. I see what the fuss is about. We had martinis. Oh, it is so good. We had this steak. I let Rachel order. I just was like, this is your thing. Just like, you're in charge. And so we got we got artichoke dip, which I think they're known for. We got this French dip sandwich, which I usually do not care about a French dip sandwich whatsoever. And it was so good. We got a really good salad. Oh, we had somebody else with us too. It wasn't just the two of us. We ordered a lot of food. Um, and then we ordered this like Hawaiian ribeye, which I was like, that doesn't sound very good to me. It was incredible. Yum. I was impressed. I'm a new fan. I love Hillstone. I think it was Hitha that oh, that loves Hillstone. And we used to go there all the time. What do you get there? Do you have a thing? Yes, it's been so long. There's a really good salad. I think it's like a, a Chinese chicken salad or an mm. Asian chicken salad. And there's um, some sashimi that is really good too. Ooh, yeah. We didn't get sushi. And of course the martinis. I think it was – we would always get like a, a really good salad. And I want to say it was like an Asian chicken salad. Ooh, yum. And also their sushi. But it's been so long. I don't think it's the last time I'll go. So I'm excited to explore this more because – New York City has a lot of things, but it has minimal chilies. That's true. That's very true. Meanwhile, down in Charleston, we can get chilies on Uber Eats if we really want it. No, chilies doesn't deliver well. That just that seems wrong. <laughs> yeah, I did it one time and I was like, I won't do this again. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, the chips and salsa, I guess, would be good no matter what. Yeah. That doesn't seem like it could spoil in route. I don't care about chips and salsa, though. Oh, I care a lot about chili salsa. I know you do. I know you do. So anyway, that's my one high. And my other high is I – it it was a low earlier this week. The daylight savings time change, and it's also coincided with it being nicer in New York this week. Having it be light out until after 7 p.m. and being able to take a walk after I'm done with work has changed my life. I feel so good. That's so great. Like, it's not like, oh, I have to take a walk during the day because it's going to be too freezing for me and like pitch black Mm -hmm. to take a walk at 5 p.m. Past couple nights, I just, I finish up with work at 
I don't know, like 6.30 and I can still go on a walk. Ugh, it's the best. Yes, yes. Tell me yours. What's your high? My high is that I just got back from Anguilla on Monday night, very late on Monday night. I didn't get home to my apartment until after 1 a.m., but it was just, it's really beautiful there. The beaches, the white sand, the crystal blue, like turquoise water. It was good to get out of Charleston and like to the beach. The food we had was magical. It was delicious Caribbean foods. I had these like Johnny cakes with smoked trout dip that I'm still fantasizing about. So many tropical cocktails. It was fun. Yeah, the food looked really good. Was everything okay COVID entry requirement-wise? Yes, it was. um, I will say that it was two very long travel days. It took me about 14 hours each way. So um, this is, I mean, this is part of the problem with living in a city that's not New York. I'd say, Alex, it took her like 10 hours, which is still Mm. really long. But I have to go through Atlanta and then, you know, you have to do your customs experience in Atlanta. And then I had like a two hour layover. So that helped it. I will say that one thing that surprised me was, and I think I said this maybe last week, so sorry if I'm being repetitive, is that you have to go through customs and immigration twice, once to get into St. Martin and then again to get into Anguilla. So it's, it's a lot, but um, it's worth it once you're there. It's so pretty. Is Anguilla its own country or it's part of another country? think it's one of the French Caribbean islands. Okay. And I think, I think I'm probably going to like, people are going to come for me. I think that St. Martin is part of the Netherlands and Anguilla is part of France. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I have no knowledge to fact check you with. Yeah. I should fact check myself after this, but I didn't want to stop what we were doing to do that. Talk to me about Lowe's. Daylight savings time just has me like really, really tired. And it could just be from like the long travel days and everything else. And also that I didn't really exercise for a week. And now I'm back in my routine and really like ridiculously hungry, but like not hungry at dinner time, just in the mornings. Like I don't usually. Interesting. I usually don't eat until noon. And that's not like a strategy thing. It's more just that I work out at 11 and I don't like to like have too much in my stomach when I work out. I've been like this morning I had a banana at 10, then 11. I was like, I need toast. And like, I'm not saying I was like picking out or anything. It just, it's a weird sensation because I'm starving. And then afterwards, it's like three eggs, two pieces of toast. Like what else can I find? I'm going to die. So um, I've just been like very, very hungry. The hungry, hungry caterpillar. Yeah. What about you? I have Zoom fatigue. Oh my goodness. So it's it's both a positive and a negative. So I have been working with Scribd as my consulting client since October. And love uh, Scribd. Love Scribd. And mostly my project is covering helping to cover somebody's maternity leave. I'm only working 20 hours a week with them. And um, she's coming back at the end of this month. And I was worried. I was wondering if I was going to keep working with them after. Over the past week, the things that I'm working on have pivoted in anticipation of her coming back. So I just feel like I am drinking from a fire hose trying to get up to speed. And I have had so many Zoom meetings. Yesterday, for instance, I had 11 Zoom meetings. And I'm sure there are so many listeners who do this every single day. And I don't know how you are still standing. I went to bed at 10 p.m., which is abnormal for me because it just took it out of me. I hear that so much. And again, I always, I feel bad complaining, but like I'm not on Zoom a lot for my job. So when I am, I find it really draining. Oh, 
So I am in the thick of it, but it's it's for a good reason. And I'm happy. I like working with them and I'm happy that I don't have to find a new client. So it's largely a plus. But this transition period with the Zooms. Whew. Yes. What was your longest meeting and what was your shortest? I ended up having to schedule a lot of 15 minute meetings because there were a bunch <laughs> of people that I needed to talk to. And I was out of I, I was out of spaces in my calendar and then the longest were some of them were an hour are you going to become one of those people that has the calendly link and you're like here schedule time on my calendar no just curious i i would never want it's a control thing like i would never want somebody to be able to pick when they meet with me because i like to stack my meetings too in a certain way yeah no i no, I, I used, I guess last year I was doing like some just consulting like pro bono and I would give people my Calendly link and I felt like so out of control of my over my schedule. I was like, I will never do that again. Yeah, no. Well, before we talk to you about leaving this podcast, let's take an ad break to talk about night. They're the makers of the pillow that I sleep with every night, the face mask that I reach for most and the eye mask that I sleep with every single night. I'm also obsessed with their silk pillowcases, and I'm so happy that the pillow now comes in new colors. First, though, I want to talk about face masks. I find these face masks so much more comfortable and breathable than other masks. They're my go-to when I have to wear a mask for a long stretch, like on a plane. And I love the smart design with adjustable ear loops and a nose clip for a snug fit. Best of all, these masks are made out of 100% mulberry silk, which is hypoallergenic, so they keep your skin clear and prevent maskne. But the really big news here is that Knight has marked down all of their masks by 50% off, and you can stack our 20% off discount on top of that with code BADONPAPER. That means that you're going to get their silk masks for just $22, which is a total steal. They come in six beautiful colors, black, blush pink, gunmetal, navy, emerald, and champagne, and they are beloved by Hollywood heavy hitters like Gigi Hadid, Adele, Hailey Bieber, Priyanka Chopra, and more. Then I want to talk about the pillow. So Grace was a fan of this pillow for years and years. And when Knight came on as a sponsor, I was really like, it can't be this good. I I don't suffer from insomnia. I was like, what is this going to do for me? This pillow is everything. It is truly just the best pillow. I love how supportive it is. I'm a side sleeper. And with a regular pillow, I feel like it just turns into a pillow pancake overnight. And because this one is memory foam, it bounces back. So no matter how many times you toss and turn, it's like the same as the minute you laid your head down. So you get the proper head support no matter what position you're in. Yes. I remember when I did my temporary move to Charleston, I stole my mom's night pillow. She was, she's like very generous and like she just used my dad. So it was fine, but I just sleep so much better with it. And just as a sidebar, I just upgraded my bedroom pillows to the white ones. And I just noticed such a difference. Like it's just so beautiful. I don't have to hide it under my duvet. I love the new colors. I'm so happy for you. So for our listeners, if you want to get in on this, go to www.discovernight.com and use code BADONPAPER, all one word, for 20% off pillows, masks, and more. And remember that their masks are already 50% off, and you can stack our code on top of that. Again, that's discovernight.com and code BADONPAPER. All right. All right, Grace. It's our last Just Us. It is. 
I feel like we're really dragging out my exit. Like, it's our last book club. It's our last Just Us. It's our last guest. That's how I feel. That's how I feel. It's my goodbye tour. So you already did your weekly highs and lows. What has been your high and low of this entire podcast? Oh, I think for a high, it would be the time with you, just the the weekly catch-ups and things, especially if we're both traveling or away. And yeah, I mean, it's been really nice. And then the, the guests... I mean, Elizabeth Gilbert. We got to talk to Elizabeth Gilbert. We had Cindy over my house, like you Graham Norton. We're um, so nervous when we talked to Elizabeth Gilbert. I listened to that episode again at the beginning of the year after I read Big Magic in January. And I, I don't know if other people could tell or if I can just tell because I know you, but I was like, oh my God, Grace is so nervous. Yes, I was very, very nervous to talk to her. I mean, it's like one of your like life heroes yeah and she's just so brilliant and well-spoken and I was so nervous I guess for a low it's hard to say like I mean there's specific things I could call out that I don't like there was one episode that we deleted and that was definitely a low experience <laughs> but um I think it's just this overall sense of anxiety especially when we have a guest because it often can feel like you have one shot you better like do a really good job or like you're going to embarrass yourself or people are going to, I don't know, like sometimes I just felt like it's just a whole new set of anxieties comes with podcasting, at least for me. And I think that everyone's different here, but I would really stress out before interviews and also just, especially over the past couple of years, I think everyone on the internet has just gotten a lot tougher. You know, we're in a pandemic. Life is really challenging for everyone. So I get it but um, getting picked apart. And I think when you're doing an Instagram, even stories or a blog post, if someone takes what you say out of context and then goes on to into your DMs or something, like it's really easy to say, no, this is actually what I said, like see, screenshot. (laughs) But with a podcast, I mean, I had somebody say to me in my DMs this week that I seemed really disdainful towards Olivia. Um, in the episode that we did last week. And I was well, like... Well, that makes sense because you hate her. <laughs> no, but I, I was like, <laughs> this is a person that like I really professionally and personally admire and like adore. And what the... In the actual fuck. But there's no way to like be like, actually, I didn't. Like maybe my tone was off in one question or maybe I was tired. I don't know. Like I am so tired of being picked apart and... <laughs> Um, it's it's just it it's very exhausting. Whereas I feel like with the blogger and Instagram, you've got the receipts and you can screenshot it and be like, actually, this is what I said. Like, do not do not go there. Whereas with audio, it's just it's it's hard. Like your tone, like all it takes is for you to be like, you get an email or you see a text pop up while you're talking, and like suddenly, like maybe your tone changes, and that part really for me, it it's caused a lot of anxiety. It has been edited out of this episode, but it took us like five minutes to get started because I kept getting discombobulated because things were popping up on my screen before I put on focus mode. So I very much feel that. And the Just Us episodes are a lot less anxiety inducing for me because if I mess up in front of you and we just have Allison edit that out, it's fine. If I mess up with a guest, I feel like I like I can't like I want to be respectful of the guest's time and I don't want to like I just feel much more um nervous fucking up. So it's not one specific low. It's more just like the, especially the past two years, there's just been a lot more anxiety with um, every episode we release. 
That's so interesting. And obviously, it's completely valid that you feel that way. But I can't think of any guest interview that we've done where either the output, I was like, oh, that was really bad. Or that like I left feeling embarrassed by how we comported ourselves. Oh, oh can you? <laughs> not, not for you. We... We had a guest on once and her book was a coffee table book. And I had mentioned that I was flipping through the book and that I wanted to read the whole thing. And somebody like came for me for not having read the the guest's entire book. And I was like, it's a coffee table book. Like, yeah, things but the like author that. knew that. I'm sure she didn't take that negatively. Yes. I don't think she did. And I think that overall, it was a very positive experience. I think that it's more when people come for me and I can't. It's harder to like it's it's in my DMs, it's on the snark sites. It's it's like no, and I can't defend myself. And maybe that's just a me problem and like being more anxious. I don't think that the guest was offended at all. I thought we had a lovely time and like I I've stayed in touch with her and supported her book, but just it gets really draining when you just feel like everything you say has to be overanalyzed and you're going to like not even offend somebody, but someone's going to just say that you're like an asshole or that you're lazy or that you don't care about the podcast or whatever it might be. It's none of that. It's that I'm really fucking anxious that I'm going to fuck up. Yeah. And it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy where like the more anxious you get, like the harder it is to express yourself. Yes. Yes. Because you're not like just relaxed and able to be yourself. I actually feel like in these last few episodes where I know I'm going, I felt like less anxious because there's an end in place. And I think that I've performed better as a podcast host, except for my disdain for Olivia, which that person was blocked. What have you learned about yourself from doing the podcast? You know, it's, it's gonna go along with the whole anxiety thing. It is, you pick yourself apart so much. I don't know if you feel this way, but I never knew all of my pronunciation problems. The way I say words can be wrong. How much I say like and um. You don't realize this until you listen to yourself twice after. Because I usually listen to every episode twice. to like first for a first run and then second run. And sometimes I just get so mortified listening to myself. I um, It's just like you just... I have a new sort of self-awareness that is, it's good to be self-aware of your flaws, but it's, um, it's something. I really feel like there's some episodes and some episodes I don't notice at all about myself, not meaning not you. Yeah. And you know, you've said this about yourself saying like so much, I never notice it with you, but I notice it about me. And I think that oftentimes we're our own worst critics. Absolutely. But um, yeah, it's given me like a whole new, um, a whole new self-awareness. And then I would also say like with the live shows, I just realized like how draining big events can be for me, which is a bummer because I, there's a part of me that loved doing them. But um, yeah. Have you ever gone back and listened to our first few episodes? Yeah, I have. And you know what? It's again, that self-awareness thing. I think at the time, thought those were such good episodes. Chris, like, they're not you? bad. They're really good. So I had not gone back. I oh, my God. I think they're terrible. I <laughs> have listened to a couple of episodes as a repeat. Like, for instance, when we do our goals episodes, I'll listen to the year before school episode. I listened to the, the Elizabeth Gilbert one. 
there have been a couple times where I've had to listen to an episode to find something, but I generally don't re-listen after they come out. And I love knowing that they're there. I love thinking of myself as an old lady and having this, I mean, I hope podcasts still exist or I can access them and it's not like the box of VHS tapes that like nobody has the right player for. But I love the idea that we have this audio diary almost to look back on. I think that's so cool. And it's so cool that we've done it every week and we can track the highs and lows. And like for me, I feel like so much has changed in my life over the course of this podcast that I think it will be really cool to look back. So I look forward to going back, but I have not I have not done any of that. But for this episode, I went back and I listened to our first episode and then I listened to our third episode. The third episode was the first advice episode because we used to do two book clubs. So every other episode was a book club and I didn't listen to the book club one. But I actually thought our first two episodes or for those two episodes were quite good. We had really good chemistry. I didn't think our verbal tics were any worse than they are now. I thought they were really fun. That's the shitty thing is I don't think I've improved as a podcaster. They like they were fun and they flowed and we didn't know what we were doing, but like I don't know. It's it was very listen toable. Yeah, I didn't you know that word listen toable. I'm being overly critical. I just there's there I, I haven't listened in like a year, but I remember I listened like a year ago and was like, oh boy, I really thought I was like hot stuff. No. And also I was really impressed that the audio quality does not sound bad. I mean, we have the same microphones right now that we started with and we had a recorder, a similar recorder at the very beginning, but we edited it ourselves. And Lord knows we knew nothing about editing audio. I was impressed. Oh my God. Can I just say, I am so thankful for Allison. And then before that, Lindsay, because, and before that, Cassidy, like- I do not like editing the podcast. Like it is, it's a lot of work. That makes me really self-conscious when I had to go back and listen to mistakes over and over to cut them out. Yes. So I feel like it's eliminated some stress. Yes. But anyway, I asked you this because I went back and I listened to the first episode and we very specifically pinned this podcast around bad books because the original format was we were going to only talk about YA series akin to like The Hunger Games. Has your opinion changed on bad books or guilty pleasure reading over the course of this podcast? I just think I cringe a little at the words bad books. Me too. Me too. And it didn't yeah. at all feel awkward to me then. I wonder if it felt awkward to other people and they just didn't say anything. They were nice enough not to tell us. I got. I remember getting some messages in the early days being like, I really don't like that you're calling these bad books. And I was like, it's all tongue in cheek. Don't worry about it. But I think that we've all just become like a little more socially aware and sensitive over the past few years. And I wouldn't ever say that I like reading bad books. Also, even if I do like reading bad books, and I can still say I would feel awkward about saying this publicly because I don't want to insult the author, but there are some series that I've read that are quite bad and I've enjoyed quite a lot. But I also feel like I'm fully entitled to that. Like, I don't, I guess I blanch more at guilty pleasure than at bad books. Oh, I, yeah, I don't like that either. I, I think we both work really hard and life is, is very challenging right now. So if I'm going to like sit and read a thriller for three hours at the end of the day, rather than putting on a movie, Like, there is nothing wrong with that. There is no need to feel guilty. Like, it is 
any any reading I think is good reading. The other thing this podcast has made me so aware of, even just in the context of you and I, is how subjective opinions on books are, where you will love a book and I will not like it or vice versa. Yes. And I consider you someone who I have pretty similar taste to and that, you know, generally we would like a lot of the same things. And I just yes. – it's really shown how subjective book enjoyment is. I agree. I agree. And that's why, like, I do my reading lists on my blog. Like, we don't ever rank books here. But on my blog, I try and give them scores just so that people can sort on that books page by, like, best to worst. And that makes me cringe a little, too, because it's based purely on what I thought and how I enjoyed them. So maybe I'm giving, like, oh, for example, this month I read a very, I think it was called A Very Good Girl by Imogen Crimp. It's beautifully written. Like the author is clear, clearly very talented. Could I write a book like that? No. But did I enjoy it? No. So I gave it, I think I gave it like a B. I would have given it a lower score because I, I know that it was a beautifully written book. I just didn't like it. And that feels like, I mean, I know that it's like, it's my podcast. It's my book. It's my blog. I can do what I want. But that still makes me feel a little icky sometimes. Well, it feels icky too because you have a platform and it feels icky because just because I don't like a book doesn't mean anyone wouldn't like it. And I don't want to turn people off who might like it. Yes. Just because I'm the lone nut that doesn't. Yeah. And I said, like, in my review, I was like, if you're in your 20s, like, you might love this. And also, it's really well written. I It just wasn't for me. Yeah. 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 If we were restarting the podcast today, what would be your first book club pick? And i.e., like something backlist that you love that you want everyone to read. Because we started with the selection, which was not a new book at the time. We were just so passionate about it that we needed anyone to read it. Yeah. And I don't think we thought that this was going to be like something that like made money or was like a part something that a lot of people would listen to. It was fully just like no. for us. It was fully just like a fun thing. So I think there's two. We never did a book club around The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo. Yes. And it's one of my favorite books. I want everyone to read it. Today, someone commented on my Instagram that I was giving Evelyn Hugo vibes, and I was like, thank you. You've just made my whole day. I loved that book. I want to go back and reread it. The other one is... Oh, that's a high praise from you. Yeah, I don't really reread. <laughs> the other one is just a book of essays by Sloane Crosley. It was called... I was told there'd be cake. I read it when it came out, I think in 2008. I'm going to reread it again soon. And I just really, really liked that book. And I'd love to talk about it with people. I feel like Sloane Crossley has a fiction book coming out either this month or next month. She does. I pre-ordered it. I saw it on James Nord's Instagram and was like, oh. Um, so yeah, I like her writing a lot. Will you still text me all your book reactions? <laughs> yes. And let me know which ones you think I will like. Yes. I don't want to read your reading page. I mean, I will read your reading page, but I want the personalization of I think you will like this. Yes, absolutely. And I want the Thank same you. from you. Oh, absolutely. I usually just DM you. I'm like, would I like this? Yeah. Yeah. So I listened to our first advice episode, and the first advice question we ever answered was, how do you figure out the difference between a passion and a hobby? And the listener who submitted it said that they loved interior design, but didn't know if she wanted to go back to school for it. How would today Grace answer that question? Probably pretty similarly. I think that we were talking about that story about the coffee shop. Like just because you like coffee doesn't mean you should have a coffee shop. 
And I would say, think about all the stuff that it takes to run a business because it's not like, I like Instagram and I like writing, but do I want to deal with all the backend stuff and the tech side of running a blog? Do I want to be responsible for my own accounting? Like, do I want to be dealing with brands and invoices and contracts? There's a lot of stuff that you don't see. So I would... I would tell her to talk to somebody in that field and talking to someone who's doing it is a good way to figure out if you really want to be doing it. Like ask them like the wor- the best and worst parts of their job. You know, even if it's cold emailing people and being like, can I ask quickly like the best and worst parts of your job? Most people will write back. Like I would, re- I would reply to that. I think that that would be a, a good way to start because just because you love doing something doesn't mean that you're going to love running a business about it. What about you? What would you say? I would say the same thing. I I think I said something very similar in the in the first episode. I just wanted yeah. to see if how you approached it would be different today for almost four years later. Yeah, I think that would be the advice. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay, let's take a quick ad break. So today's episode is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. We're both thinking about our goals and our intentions for the year ahead. So maybe you want to be a little less stressed. Maybe you need help setting boundaries with someone in your life. Maybe you just want to talk to someone and get an unbiased opinion. And in any of these cases, BetterHelp has licensed professional counselors who might be able to help. If you're looking to pinpoint or address anything that interferes with your happiness or prevents you from achieving your goals, BetterHelp could be a great tool for you. Yes, and they make it so easy. So first, you fill out a simple online questionnaire that assesses your needs. They ask you about your age, your relationship status, your past relationship with therapy, and what you're looking to address. And then they match you with your own licensed professional therapist in under 48 hours. Then you can choose how you want to interact with them. You can message them anytime, no scheduling needed, or have phone or video sessions, whatever works best for you. Something we really love is that they also have counselors who are specialized in specific issues like stress, anxiety, relationships, parenting, addictions, eating, sleeping, trauma, family conflict, LGBT matters, self-esteem, and more. All told, they have over 20,000 licensed professional therapists. And what's great is that they're committed to facilitating great matches. So if your first therapist isn't a fit, they make it free and easy to switch if you need to. And anything you share is always confidential. Best of all, it's more affordable than traditional online counseling and financial aid is available. We want you to start living a happier life today. As a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting betterhelp.com slash paper. Join over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash paper. Back to the episode. What is something that our listeners would be surprised to learn about the making of or the history of the podcast? I was a little stumped on this one. I was thinking about how we used to edit it ourselves, which I think is pretty impressive when you think about it. I feel like that's how most people start, no? That's true. That's true. Although I have had a lot of friends in the influencer space reach out being like, I'm starting a podcast. What should I do? I'm like, get these mics, get this recorder, hire Allison. (laughs) Like, Making of... The history of our podcast, that, and then I think people might think it's funny that it was my idea, and now I'm like, I'm done. <laughs> I don't know. I think with social media, you just try a lot of things and see what sticks and see what you like and what you don't like. But I don't know what what's something that you think our listeners would be surprised by. Well, if they're if they weren't around the first year, they might be surprised to know that. First of all, we had a different name at the beginning. We did. It was called Young Adulting. Which is a play on young adult books and adulting advice. Yeah. 
And second of all, we didn't have our first guest until almost a year in. The format was totally different. That's true. It was Katie. Katie was our first guest. Yeah. All of the non-book episodes were mailbag advice episodes, so it's super hard to find anything because none of them have topics. Yeah. They're just <laughs> yeah, random that's really questions. True. It was just like advice number one, advice yeah. number two. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. What's one book that you wish we'd gotten to do a book club about or that you'd love to discuss? Okay, so I actually have three because I thought about this. And it really started with, I was just in Anguilla with Alex and she was reading um, The Chiffon Trenches by Andre Leon Talley and she was reading it for the first time. And I was so jealous of her reading it for the first time because it was one of my favorite books I've ever read. And I mean, he just, he's brilliant and he drops so much fashion industry tea and he's, he's funny and he's cutting and he's just brilliant. Did I say he's brilliant? I would have really loved to have him on, especially now that he's passed away. Then thinking about memoirs, I um, was thinking about how great it would have been to do a book club about Save Me the Plums by Ruth Reichel. Um, I love that book. I love all of her books, but that one's my favorite. And I would have loved to have her on as a guest. And then also Cultish by Amanda Montel, which we just don't do a lot of nonfiction book club picks, but... I would have loved to talk about that one because I think it's such an overlap of you and my interests. And I think Amanda seems really, really interesting and she would have made for a great guest. I still have that one on my list. I feel like my house is just piles of books, so it has not moved up the list, but I really want to yeah. really read it. Really good book. What five living people would be in your dream IRL book club? Okay, so this is like... This is a dream, Ira. Yeah, yeah, it's a dream. They have to be alive. That was the only stipulation. Okay. I want to have Trevor Noah and Tom Hanks because I love their voices and I just love them as people and would just like to talk about books with both of them. I want to have Stanley Tucci expressly on. I also like his voice and, and I think he's a really talented actor, but expressly on for snacks and this is because i'm listening to his memoir his food memoir taste right now i would like him to be in charge of snacks and negronis i would like to have michelle obama join this and then i was really torn for my fifth or sixth person because i wanted someone to kind of bring in some levity there and i was torn between our bestie jessica simpson or heather mcmahon What a book club you've put together. I know. I think it would be really fun. Maybe I should also resurrect my dream to start an IRL book club this year. You should. Yeah. I would really like to. Moving on. Moving on. What advice do you have for Olivia about taking over the podcast? She was talking a little bit when we um, had her on last week, when we had her on about just anxiety and interviewing things. And so I would say try and just relax and be yourself because I I would get in my head too much. And I like based on things she said, I'd worry that maybe that could happen to her too. And just I don't think this episode is going to help that anxiety with what you said about your your low of the podcast. I know. I just wish that I could like change my personality a little bit. I don't wish that. Um, I I got just with my own internal anxieties. Um but I would say that and to just have fun with it and to be weird and just embrace it and and um, to make you read thrillers. Oh, my God. Speaking of being weird, <laughs> did you see her and Jake did each other's makeup last weekend? Yes. 
I did. It was amazing. It was so funny. It was so funny. So funny. She did a fundraiser for, I think one was a food bank in, in Philadelphia and one was a, a world hunger charity doing some work in Ukraine. And there was a certain threshold where if you donated it enough, Jake would, they would get drunk and Jake would do her makeup. And then there was another threshold where she would do his makeup. I love it. It was so funny. That's really funny. Back to this, though. What advice would you give to any listeners wanting to start their own podcast about getting started or growing a podcast? I would say don't expect a ton of growth immediately. I would say work on the kind of almost what we did. We just worked on it ourselves and like kind of built up our confidence. And then we're like, oh, this is going somewhere. And then we started having guests. And I would say that having a guest on, especially someone with a a really engaged social following is a great way to help build your podcast, but you don't want to have guests until you're kind of like doing a, a, a good or at least a decent job already. And you've gotten into the swing of things. I would say don't do it to get, don't do it for the money, which neither you or I were doing it for the money. Podcast advertising pricing is priced very similarly to radio. So it's just not very lucrative. I would say what else? Get the right equipment. We have that linked somewhere. I have a post on my blog about starting a podcast too. And I would say, um, I don't know, get a co-host. I just think that my favorite podcasts are definitely the ones with two friends talking and kind of just shooting the shit. And um, they don't have to be talking about the like most deep and exciting issues. But I just there's something nice about listening to two friends talk. Good advice. On the plus side, you are getting five to seven hours back per week. How are you going to use them? So I really don't want to say like, oh, now I have all this extra time because I really want to get to a place where I work 40 hours a week over the pandemic. And then before that, like I was probably working like 60, 65 hours a week. I'm now working like probably 50, 50 to 52. I've been tracking my time because I'm curious because sometimes I'm like, am I really busy or am I just lazy? Like, which one am I? So I'd be happy to just have those hours be spent either like proofreading my blog posts and like improving my email newsletter and doing what I'm already doing, but maybe doing it a little bit more slowly and less rushed. I also would like to put calendar blocks on for just creative writing time. I do have like goals of someday writing a book and just not enough time to even entertain the idea. Just even an hour block twice a week. I think that's really doable and like it's something I'd look forward to. So yeah, that, I think, you know, the thing of it is, as I was thinking about this question, Instagram has just taken over and it's just grown and grown and grown. And it's like, now if you want your content to be seen, you've got to do reels. And so it's like adding to that and stories. But remember when Instagram was just a grid post and all you had to do was like, maybe reply to comments on the grid posts. I mean, I spend, I put way less time into my Instagram than yours because it's not really, I, I don't really take any sponsorships these days. Totally. I make a little bit of affiliate money, but I don't really think about that as a part of my yes yearly earnings. So I, I still don't, I mean, don't get me wrong. I spend plenty of time on Instagram, but it's far more consuming content than, mm. than making content. Yeah. I think I have to spend a lot more time on Instagram than I used to. And I still have my blog. I feel like I've just been adding things to the pie and not taking anything away because I want to always have my blog and maybe someday I would go down to posting four days a week instead of six but I really I love my blog it's like my baby even though it doesn't make nearly as much money as Instagram does it's it's the most it's the part of my job that I enjoy most 
and I'm like most proud of. So I just sometimes get resentful of how much of a monster Instagram has become and how much time it takes just to like, cause you know, like the, even the silly reels, like it takes a while to like get them right. Yeah. I have never made one, but I sure yeah. that I would not do well. Yeah. I will give Maddie who um, does our podcast, social media, a big shout out here. She's started editing them for me, which has made them better. Just like with transitions and speeding things up and cutting things out like it really helps having somebody else take at least the first step and I can be like oh yeah actually make that part shorter make that or like there was one we recently did where I was like let's scrap that it's not my best work I'm gonna reshoot the whole thing let's talk about obsessions so not this week's obsessions but what are a few past obsessions that are so good that you want to double down on them well, there is so many. I feel like I'm just a really obsessed person, which is why I started <laughs> which is why I started blogging in the first place because I love sharing like my product discoveries and things that I really like. I would say I was thinking about how much I love my fridge turntables the other day, which I think was your obsession first and then it became mine. You influenced me there. I don't remember which way it went. It just makes it so much easier to get to the back of your fridge. Oh, it's the best. And then I would say, like, on the beauty front, the Chantecai mascara and the Augustinos butter and the um, the Biosans lactic acid. Like, I've definitely gushed about all three of those a bunch. And my onion chopper. I was using my onion chopper last night. And that was, like, my obsession maybe a couple of months ago. I hate chopping onions so much. And I was going to make that goop broccoli soup the other night, the one, have you made that before? Mm -hmm. It's just so good because the onion makes it really creamy and it almost tastes like carbs. But like after my vacation, I feel like all I did was eat, like I ate a lot of bread, like a lot of bread and my body just is like, give me a vegetable. And I did not want salad last night. So I made the soup and I was like, oh, like I hate the onion part. And I was like, oh yeah, I've got my onion chopper. It just makes it so easy. It's it's such a stupid thing. But like if you hate chopping onions as much as I do, because I like cry, like I will look like I like had a full on like temper tantrum from cutting an onion. I, I'm really conflicted on this one because if I had a dishwasher, I would do it in a heartbeat. But I have a dishwasher now. Needing I get to it. hand wash everything. I'm like, oh, and then the meal creates another thing that I have to wash. I'll just chop the onion. I completely, completely relate to that. My life has changed because now I have a dishwasher. Yeah, I bet. I fantasize about yeah. it. Yeah. What is a past obsession that you're no longer obsessed with? I don't think I have one. I don't think that's true. I don't have the time to go back and look at all of them, but I feel like there must be. I don't know. I was, I've really thought about this like all day actually. Hmm. <laughs> and I don't think there's one something I was obsessed with and I'm not obsessed with now. Like maybe a TV show that kind of wore off on me. Mm -hmm. Like, but I can't think of one. I'm gonna like keep thinking about this, and if it, if between now and Wednesday when this episode comes out, I think of one, I will let the people know. Okay. But okay, I feel like my obsessions. I I'm pretty much still obsessed with all of them. I wish we had like a database where I could I like know. scan through. I know. I'm positive that I have some. I would have to look at my list of all obsessions, which I don't have. And I'm positive yeah. that there would be some that I was like, oh, yeah. Because there's been over 200 of them. So <laughs> there's got to be something that was a dud in there. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't know. Okay. Yeah. 
Let's take one last ad break to talk about pros. So by now, you have heard me rave about pros so many times. They're the world's most personalized hair care. But in case you haven't, I want to tell you about the incredible results I've seen using their customized shampoo and conditioner. So I've been using Pros for almost two years now, and my hair just looks so much better. I said this last time I didn't add, but I ran out recently. I have a bunch of bottles of shampoo and conditioner in my shower from before I started using Pros, and I figured that I would use them up um, before I ordered new bottles. And I only lasted two weeks before I hit the order button because I just, I like it so much. I noticed such a difference in my hair. I also love the smell. After two years, I just feel like my hair is healthier, it's shinier, it's fuller, and this is coming from someone who I think I have pretty lackluster hair to begin with. It's it's on the fine side, it's thinner, and the pros has really made a big difference. Pros has given out over 1 million consultations with their in-depth hair quiz, which is how I got started. It takes five minutes. They ask you about everything from your hair type and styling routine to some less expected questions like about your diet, exercise routine, and zip codes that can take into account environmental factors. By analyzing over 85 personal factors, Pros determines a unique blend of ingredients to treat your exact concerns. Pros also has a really cool review and refine feature, so every time I buy a new bottle, I get to tell them how they did and they make tweaks to improve my next bottle even more. It literally gets better the longer I use it. And as a carbon-neutral certified B Corp, Pros is an industry leader in clean and responsible beauty, and they're also cruelty-free. And it's risk-free. If you're not 100% positive that Pros is the best hair care you've ever had, they'll take the products back, no questions asked. Pros is the healthy hair care regimen with your name all over it. Take your free in-depth hair consultation and get 15% off your first order today. Go to pros.com slash B-O-P. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash B-O-P for your free in-depth hair consultation and 15% off. Into the end matter. What are you obsessed with this week? Okay. I'm obsessed with these ASOS sweaters. I ordered a couple of them. I was looking for sweaters that were slightly thinner and Mm. these are thin, but they're kind of, they're pretty warm still. Yeah. But it's called specifically the ASOS, the ASOS design crew neck sweater in rib with fluffy yarn. Yes. And I just typed that into my, into Google and like a million popped up and they're like $30. Yeah. They're so cheap. They come in a bunch of colors. I like the cut of them. Like they're cute to wear not tucked in, but they also would look good if you like tucked at the front, if you French tucked them. Yes. I'm really obsessed. I got one in orange and I got one in like sky blue and the quality feels good. I wore one all day yesterday and I didn't feel like it like stretched out in any weird ways. I was just like, wow, for a $30 sweater, like it's obviously fast fashion. So I don't know about the sustainability or ethics of it, but I was a big fan of the looks and the price. Right. Are you going to get one? There's a green one that looks real cute. Mm, yeah. You know I like green. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? When- we are fully out of sweater weather here, though. Like, it's so warm. So I, I don't know if it's, like, the best idea to buy one. I was right looking now. for transitional sweaters. And I think this is yeah. on the colder end of transitional sweaters because even though it is thinner, it is fairly warm. Yes. I laughed because yesterday I hadn't been outside yet. I, I work out at 11 and my trainer was like, it's freezing out today. And then I went outside to like go run an errand and I'm like, it's 60 degrees. Mm. <laughs> like, it's not freezing. Mm. What about you? What are you obsessed with? 
I feel like I've talked about Brent Neal here in the past and her jewelry is incredible. She has like these um, bubble letter and number pieces and I have my lucky number energy pendant, but she just released these snail pendants and this sounds like weird. It's like a very cute little snail and they are just everything. Like I think I like them because it's a good reminder to like slow down a little bit, but, um, Oh, I like that as a personal symbol. Yeah. It's like when I got my compass necklace, that was to like a symbol of like listening to my intuition and following my gut. I like a symbolic piece of jewelry, but I think that that's going to be my next big jewelry splurge. And you like, they're on her Instagram. She hasn't even started selling. Oh, I was, yeah, I was looking on the website and I was like, I see mushrooms, but I don't see snails. Yeah. She's really become really known for her mushroom pieces. And a mushroom just has no importance to me. And it makes me think of drugs. Like I'm such a, I'm so old. But like the, the snail, I was like, I want the snail. Cute. Yeah. Tell me about your reading. You were on vacation. You have quite a list here. I've got a lot to say. So there's two books that I've talked about last week that I have now finished. The first is Olga Dies Dreaming by Xochitl Gonzalez. We've gushed about this one. It was such a great audiobook. It felt like a performance. I felt like I learned a lot about Puerto Rican culture and yes. history that I just didn't even know. Um, and also like all the bad shit that the U.S. has done and how we've treated them as a as a territory. So I was not taught anything about Puerto Rico in high school. Literally nothing. Zero. So I thought it was like, like light and fun, but also deeply educational and all the stuff about AIDS. I don't want to give anything away, but like the AIDS stuff was really moving. And just also the, the bits about sexuality, like there's a gay character who's like said like to his family members, you never said it would be okay if I was gay. I don't know that just like, there's just little things that stick with you and you're like, and it made me think like, did I ever tell my, I guess it doesn't matter. Cause like. My sister's straight and married, but did I ever like say like, if you liked girls, I'd be okay with it. Like, I don't know. Um, but I just, I, I love this book. It's about a brother and a sister and their relationship, their complicated family dynamic, their activist mother. I've just, I can't gush enough about this one. And it's like chef's kiss on audiobook because it's just so good to listen to. I also finished Violetta by Isabel Allende. And this was, um, highly recommended by my mom. She said it was her favorite book of the year. When we last talked, I was like, it's kind of slow. But I was reading about the main character's childhood more. And then as she grows up and becomes a woman and gets married, has children and goes on all sorts of experiences, it really picks up. And it's just, it's beautifully written. What also like really struck me was that it's a translation because it's originally written in Spanish. And Mm. Whoever the person that she hired to translate it like deserves like their own special award because they I assume it was like a really beautiful to read in Spanish and it's just as beautiful in English. I th- do you ever think about that? I have thought about that before where translating I- I've thought about it more in the context of like great works of literature where yes. it's like this was originally written in a different language like and it still is acclaimed as a deeply important book and it isn't even in the language it was written in, and that's so wild yeah I was thinking about that a lot and like what a phenomenal job the translator for this book did yeah 
Then on vacation, I read and I finished Dress Code by Veronique Highland. And Veronique is the fashion, I I believe she is the fashion features director at Elle. And she has such an incredible knowledge of the fashion industry. I thought I was going to be reading like a book of essays about the history of fashion. I was like, sure, that sounds interesting. But it's also like super, super, super socially aware, super feminist, just fascinating. I They have totally different subject matters, but I likened it a lot to cultish because it's just the essays are so well written and I learned so much reading them. And like it made me think about things I'd never even thought about before. Loved this book. There's also a whole book, a whole essay on scammer fashion, which I was like, Becca would appreciate this. I'm excited. Next, I read and finished Like a Sister by Kelly Garrett. This was a murder mystery set primarily in Harlem. It it was about this woman's found dead in a playground and everyone thinks it's an overdose, but her half-sister knows it wasn't. And so it's like going back and forth over their relationship. What brought them there? What could have happened? It had some shocking twists. I did not guess the killer. Like I was like, it was one of those endings where you just gasp. And so that gets two thumbs up from me. And then, oh my God, this is like so many books. I'm getting out of breath here. (laughs) I know, you have quite a list. There's two books that I'm currently reading. I started The Last Housewife by Ashley Winstead, and this doesn't come out to the summer, but I wanted to read it because I just read her other book, In My Dreams, I Hold a Knife. And this was on my, in my TBR pile. And I was like, I like that book so much. I want to read her next one, even though it doesn't come out till summer. And then I am, I mentioned this earlier, but I'm listening to Taste by Stanley Tucci. And this is great. I'm really torn as to whether I wish I read it as a hard copy book or as opposed to listening to it, which if you listen to it, you get to hear Stanley's voice and he's such an incredible narrator and you feel like you're with him on this culinary journey. But there are, I really want to listen to this audiobook. But hear me out. There's so many recipes and- So he reads them to you, which feels a bit like ASMR. It's like very soothing. But um, I kind of wish I had the hard copy book with all the recipes in it. Interesting. Yes. How about you? So I finished The Christie Affair by Nina de Gramont. And you read this previously. You said it was slow at the beginning, but it all paid off and you really enjoyed it. I felt very medium on it. I saw it that was in very the slow. Group. Yeah. It did pick up, but it didn't it wasn't worth it to me. Okay. And this could be a me thing because I'm not usually a historical fiction lover. So totally possible that it's a me thing. I mean, it was like a Reese Witherspoon book pick, so I feel like it generally is like pretty well received, but didn't love it. Oh, didn't I really liked it. it. I thought it was interesting. I think the fact of it was more interesting to me than the story of it. Like the fact I didn't know that Agatha Christie went missing for 10 or 12 days yeah. at one point, And there was like a huge manhunt across all of England for her. Like I had no idea. I didn't know that either. So I think that's just like a really interesting fact. Yeah. And I think it's a really interesting thought exercise to write a book about what might have happened during that time. Yes. But I don't know. It didn't didn't grip me the way I hoped. And then I said I was going to start The Club by Ellery Lloyd, and I didn't because I felt like I needed a comfort book after reading The Christie Affair, which was like a little bit of a dud. Like I was like, I need to read something that I know won't disappoint me. So I started reading The Perfect Couple by Ellen Hildebrand, which I'm currently about halfway through. Have you read that one? 
No, I just, I feel like Sarah Pekinen and Greer Hendricks wrote a book called The Perfect Couple, and I just got confused because that was a thriller oh. that I read this year, and I was like, what the fuck, you reached for a thriller? No, it's- <laughs> That was why um, my face was the way it was. Oh, no, it's an Ellen Hildebrand. It's from 2018. Basically, it's about a wedding on Nantucket, and the maid of honor is discovered dead the night before the wedding, and it, like- it's a whodunit. So it is a little Agatha Christie, actually, okay. figuring out how the, the maid of honor died. Okay. So I, I think it's generally considered to be one of her best ones. So yeah, I'm like halfway through, but I've, I am having so much. I'm, first of all, I have not been reading that much this month. My attention has just been very frayed, but I am just all over the place with books because I'm going to have to put this down because I need to start reading Black Cake for Book Club. Oh, you are. So I, I know. And we just moved book club, our recording a day earlier. So I'm like, oh, I got to start that tonight. Oh, sorry. I'm excited about it. But I'm like, I have to, I have so many half finished books, which is not my style usually. You'll read it in one weekend. Like you won't be able to put it down. Well, I'm afraid about having time to read it. And I don't want to stress read because sometimes that changes the experience when I feel like I have to finish something and it's stressful instead of enjoyable. So I'm going to start it tonight just to make sure that I have enough time. Oh, my God. Do you know what book I stress read? Do you remember when we read um, Children of Bone and Blood? And it was mm-hmm. like – I was like, oh, it'll, it's going to be like really like light and I'll be able to read it in like a weekend. And it was like 600 pages long because that is – like YA fantasy, but it is not like light. You need to like pay attention to every single word. I yeah. I remember like I had to like not work on Monday like before we recorded and just read the book. Yeah, I don't want to stress read this, especially given how much everyone has raved about it. So, for anyone who doesn't know, our book club pick in March is Black Cake by Charmaine Wilkerson. I have heard raves. I have not seen anyone say that they disliked this or this disappointed them. So I am. I'm going in with high hopes. Grace picked it for her last month and said it's the best book that she's read in the last year, right? Yeah. And I think Olivia said the same thing. Yeah. I think Olivia might have said it might be the best book she's ever read. Oh, wow. Yeah. It is about a two estranged siblings. Their mom dies and she leaves them an eight-hour voice recording where she tells them about all sorts of secrets that they did not know when she was alive. Mm-hmm. So very excited. And then when Olivia was on last week, we also announced our April book club pick, which is Olivia's most recommended book, I guess I would say. And it's Project Hail Mary by Andy Weir, which is a very wild card pick for this podcast, but I'm excited to see it. Yeah, it looks super Not exciting. Excited to see it. I'm excited to read it. Yeah. So that's what we got. Grace, tell them where they can find you. All right. I'm on Instagram at Grace Atwood. Um, my blog is thestripe.com. If you click on the link in my bio on Instagram, I have a weekly newsletter and I, I feel like such a schmuck plugging this so much, but sign up for my newsletter. It's the best way to stay in touch because it gets pushed to your inbox every Friday. And she's going to put her highs and lows there every week. So if you want to know those, yeah. that's where you can get them. Exactly. And I'm on Instagram at Becca M. Freeman. My new fiction podcast, Bone Mary Berry, is out now. The fifth episode just came out, so there's one left, and I can't wait for you to hear it. No, there's there's one and a half left. There's an epilogue. This is confusing. Anyway, <laughs> bye. 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 <laughs>